0: can call in and i've been i was sitting here and I, I noticed that it was about to start and um i i di- i actually got in at the last second it flipped over and l- let me know that i wasn't actually connected as i was connecting so um sorry about that if it was a little weird started a little weird um <clears throat> very annoying uh, okay, let me get situated. I, I pulled the wrong window over to my to my main screen. Um, okay, okay, shit. You know, I'm just not prepared. <laughs> I'll, figure, I'll I'll get there. I'll get there. I was actually doing math, and that's that's my problem. I I am about ten pages from finishing my Big Bang, and I. Clicked over to see my statistics. Um, For those of you who are interested, I have um, uh, uh, dedicated 500 hours to basically to to this fic um, on the first draft. So that's not counting my actual plotting that I did first. Um, So yeah. Uh and I was doing some adding and um subtracting and math always fucks me up. Anyways, we're gonna get started and um I have no idea what Julie has on her plate, so let's just open it up and see what she wants to talk about because I ain't got shit. You got anything? Right now right now I'm wondering how in the world my sister could not have tissues in her office. I'm a little bit <laughs> and I'm like, who doesn't have tissues in their office? Why oh, are you there? All that of your own. Well, I don't have an office. I have a living room. <laughs> oh, oh. And <laughs> she's watching. When she wants to watch, like on TV on the big screen, um, I use her office. Oh. The podcast. Oh. All in your business and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, what, what do I have on my mind? Do I have anything on my mind? Um, I may be absolutely brainless. Wow. We're we're in sorry shape, you guys. Um, no, bye. I, well, <laughs> we were talking about, I thought, let's, let's, let's plot. I've been kind of like, I feel like I'm like in like a problem solving mode kind of thing. Oh, I lost the chat room. Um, but it was like, I just was like, ugh, I don't know. Um. <laughs> I, um, i belong to several Facebook groups and I, I browse through them when I'm bored and I, you know, I've been, I've been, um, a little, uh, bored and, um, the thing is, is I'm coming up on the end of my bang and I don't know why I'm hesitating to finish it, um, the the last chapter's pretty intense, right? Because I have my climax and then my falling action. So I know where it's going and I know how it's going to be and I mean, it, it's all plotted out. It's um I've been building up to this point since I started chapter 1, right? I mean, it it's all been building here. And um I I only had one little plot uh snag and and I fixed it early on and um I got a lot of characters moving around, and but I only have two points of view, um, and that really helped limit me, um, kind of keep me focused and keep my plot tight, uh, just on li- limiting myself to two points of view, because it could have gotten out of hand crazy otherwise, because <laughs> I've got a huge cast. Um, and, but uh, I don't know why I'm hesitating to finish it, and so I, I wrote six pages today. Um, well, you know actually, um, I have said that for a sequel, uh Jeep asked in the chat room if it was like the North Star, where I realized i had um that there that I had more story to tell um I plotted it in such a way that if I ever wanted to do a sequel, I could so um, but I'm wrapping up all my plot points uh for um the, the bang, and I'm really happy with what I've done, Um, and so I've got one major plot point left, and um, it's just, I, you know, I don't know, I always hesitate with action, and I got an action sequence coming up, and that's probably, I mean, I'd much rather write 50k of sex than 5k of action. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I completely agree. (laughs) Well, I could I could probably write ten thousand words of dialogue in the time it takes me to write five hundred words of action. It's like, uh, this is this like this micro editing that I do when I'm writing action that just it's super tedious and it just really slows me down and and my you know that it always seems very awkward to me. And so, but I'm getting there. My action scene is next, and it's gonna involve um, pretty much all of my characters. Um, And um, I had to do some character death, it was minor character death, um, that I plotted into my story early on. um, That was honestly a bit of fan service to myself. Um, In that, not because I hated the characters, but because I wanted something to happen. Um, I wanted my main character to get something um, that he wouldn't get if these characters were were there, and so it's 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 um it's just pure fan service to myself, and I, I admit that. And so I, I so I killed off these two characters who didn't deserve it, um, and um, I regret nothing. <laughs> Why should you? Well, so, I mean, right. sometimes the character has to die for the purpose of the plot, right? Well, yeah, and it and it yeah. served my plot, but it was senseless. Um, I've actually killed quite a few <clears> people in this story that I wasn't even aware that I killed. You know, really they were kind of collateral damage. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> my body count's kind of high. <laughs> Might as well. There's lots of people that need a good killing. I mean, you'll actually, in the periphery, in the peripheral, in the background, um, hundreds of people have died um as a result of my main character's actions. Um they all had it coming. But um that'll make more sense when you read it. But um it you know, my character my main character isn't the bad guy. So uh although I'm fully on board with writing a bad guy. I really <laughs> enjoy writing Drop of the L. Um not to say they're really bad guys. I mean that they're dark as fuck. <laughs> They have they're setting things to right. They're like it they're 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 sort of like more like um They're instruments of justice. There you go. <laughs> Vicious instruments of justice. And Zier didn't have any problem with what they were doing. Right? As says, Kill them, go back in time, kill them again, the black family motto. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's, you know, if it's worth doing once, it's worth doing twice to see how much you liked it. Anyways, so I'm pretty proud of mine. I'm, you know, I'm just, I don't know why I'm hesitating. Um, It's weird. It's a, I am super proud of my project. Sometimes I think you do kind of hesitate over the end. I'm super proud of my project. And uh, I think that my readers are really going to dig it. So, did you read what I put in this, um bitch chat? I haven't seen read the, read the latest update. Um, mm-hmm. I got I've been hardcore yeah. twenty four eating it. <laughs> I've not put that stupid game down. <laughs> it's terrible. Voodoo, voodoo, voodoo. It's terrible thing like damn i took i just can't stop you know i i, I, I infected I, my husband as well oh no oh, <laughs> the plague yeah. is spreading <laughs> i think i played other than bathroom breaks i think i played for like for eight hours straight at one point and i looked at the clock i was like oh 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 that's not good i need to i need to you know like do something else with my day besides just like stupid game. We don't need help. We're fine. Crack or something. Yeah, that could be my issue. Oh. It could be crack. Oh, the game is called 2048. A tw- the, um, the 20 is spelled out and it's by Voodoo. Um, the company is called Voodoo and it's a solitaire game. Um, and it is it is heinously addictive. <sighs> it's just that somebody <laughs> basically took the twenty forty eight sort of like a, a tile game. A lot of people have played it, but somebody took that concept and applied it to solitaire. And I just I can't stop. I, I like twenty forty eight anyway, but I like the solitaire version better. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. So yeah. I never actually played the 2048, so when I first opened it, I had no idea what to do, but I figured it out. Yeah, you did. (laughs) So, anyways, I fed my chickens, so now we need to um, plot something. (laughs) Yeah, and I had that uncomfortable moment of collecting milk. (laughs) I'm telling you, the sheep are worse. The sheep are worse. And fact, last time I did to... it, I called my husband in here. I said, I said you got to see this. And um, he said, what? I said, I'm going to harvest my wool, and I watch. And I harvest my wool, and he went, oh, that's just not right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I, I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to this or not. <laughs> I think I'm a little bit get... too specific with those udders. <laughs> that game that we're talking this is the second game we're talking about, it's called Township. Um, my mom plays it religiously, and um, she kind of um, volunteered me for labor because she needed some parts. And I got into it, and then I gave it to Jilly, um, and then she retaliated, with giving me twenty forty eight. I'm up to level is, eleven, though. I'm, I'm catching up. No, my mom is a billionaire on, on on Farm Town. She's um she's a BNF on Farm Town. <laughs> Yeah, you you don't you don't you don't abandon the game that you're the top banana in. <laughs> but she can play Township really easily on her iPad, so um, that's thrilling her. That is really it. Is, that is really nice to be able to play it on the iPad. That that is super good. Um, I really like that. I I cannot tell you how many times I've destroyed and relayed down the same road. <laughs> And the grubs are it's, free, which is awesome. I know, so I just keep playing with it. <laughs> like, well, I think I'm going to do. I think I'll restructure this whole area. <laughs> it's Move all my around. I must have like a dance of joy when when they, when I when the edit mode was unlocked because I would leveled up enough. I was like, oh yes, I can do mass changes. I'm going to I'm clearing land to make a subdivision. <laughs> but anyways, and I put oh, okay. the thing is I do these crazy I do things like I put the, these really cheap little houses next to the really big expensive houses and go, "No classism mm-hmm. in my town." <laughs> nope, not a one. And then I have this okay. one house I just want a farmhouse, all by out by itself, with the fields, because that seems appropriate. Yeah, a farmhouse I, out in the field—that does seem appropriate. I have—I have, have, have farmers for my fields, right? All right, they got to live somewhere. It's not fair to make them walk past the movie theater and <laughs> the hospital. Have yeah, I recently? Did you? Have, well, I clicked on this little this little bubble above the hospital and there's like a woman giving birth. <laughs> I was like It's How her husband Dr. breathing. And I was like, This game is so weird. <laughs> Someone in my town just had a baby. <laughs> I can't wait to get my zoo. I'm super excited already to get my zoo. Yeah, so we we clearly uh I yeah, it's been all games the last couple of days. It's like escapism, escapism. Because otherwise I go to Facebook and um I get pissed <sighs> off. So I've needed the escapism. Super pissed off. Super, super pissed off. Oh my God. Mm. So uh in the we realm of plotting something, um Hmm. If you wanted to plot something real, like something we might actually use, we could work on plotting something for April. Um, plotting something for April. April is our take two. It's um plot it's a, a sequel to a previous work. The work doesn't have to have been on rough trade because I didn't want to limit myself like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Um so you have to write a sequel to something you've already written. I don't know where I'm going to go with it. I have some options. I can do the next book in um, my James Potter series. I could, um, I'm very tempted to write a sequel for um, What Lovers Do. I could do a sequel to Gravity. Um, I could do the sequel to Iterum. You were thinking about doing um you mentioned on the last time like a sequel to the bridge which was which was one of your shorts, right? Yeah, I was thinking about the bridge, yeah. because um, I've never actually written a fic with um with uh, Sebastian on the city. Uh Oh, we got Liz. She's in the 2048. They well, but Liz, time. Liz, you've got between now and April to finish something, so. It doesn't have I'm, to be I'm, a big thing. I mean. Yeah, it could be short. The bridge is short. The bridge is under a thousand words, or it's just about a thousand words. It's, it's not long at all. It's it's one of my shorts for um, the, the, the idea for the big short uh, prompts. Um, it's about John finding out he has a son, and he goes back to Earth. And because his mother was killed, he gets to take Sebastian to Pegasus. No, 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 no. It can be a sequel to anything you've written. Did I I actually put that right on the... No, it's supposed to be... Are you yelling, Jeep? (laughs) Um... No. Yeah. No. It, it doesn't have to. Be. A prequel is a type of sequel. A, a prequel is if, if anything that's written after the original work is a sequel, regardless of where it appears in the chronology. Pretty sure I did not spec. I, I did not make it so that it had to be um, a previous RT work. No, we talked about that. If yeah, because that was time limiting. <laughs> Can't use a work in progress. Does the work? Does the previous work have to have been a rough trade project? No, but it must be completed and posted. You'll be required to post a link to the work you're writing a sequel to in your project file. I don't want a whole bunch of comments of people asking me asking where the the sequel, um, where the first one is. So you have to have a link to put in your project file for your previous work. Just, just That's just to avoid questions that we don't want to moderate. <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, so um, I am thinking about the bridge because I would really like to write one where Sebastian is on the city. Um, and that's really hard to do because it's kind of hard to justify um, bringing a kid to Atlanta. Um, Outside of circumstances like, you know, in in Atlantean legacy where they're actually building a society there and Madison goes because her mom is leaving earth forever, you know, so, um, or Madison and Max, um, and it's a living, working city. It's a society, not a military, not a staging area for a military invasion of Pegasus (laughs) or the war with the race. Um, right. So getting Sebastian on the city, uh, in a, in a way that's not completely unbelievable, is is kind of hard. And so that's why I did what I did in the bridge, where um, the trust uh, was trying to take him um, because, uh, because of his ATA gene. And um, John is basically ordered to take his offspring off planet because he's not safe on Earth. They can't guarantee his safety. Because the kid's been a target. Or the, the kid's been made a target. And so that made sense to me um, to get him off the planet in a way that wouldn't be um, ridiculous. And even that's a little ridiculous, to be perfectly honest. But it's workable. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there has to be. I mean, we had kind of a – didn't we have a conversation at one point on the show think- about – or was it in another context about the viability of Sebastian being on, not Sebastian, any kid being on 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 Atlantis? Um, and this is one of those cases where you have to mitigate the suspension of disbelief issues because, it, which is what you're doing with with <clears throat> the threat and and you know you're 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 trying to mitigate the issues where so that because you don't want your main character to become you know to their first exposure to the audience is bad parent. <laughs> I mean, if the right. first thing the audience thinks about your main character is, oh, gee, that's a bad parent, that's that's not good. I mean, but if you – I think if you said it later in uh, in the war with the race, where the race have been pushed back and it, it's not much of a threat and Atl- Atlantis has become a research station um, – and there are other families coming to the city, it, it makes sense that kids would be there. Um, maybe even if the Athosians are now living on the city again and they have kids, um, Taylor's son on the city, it makes sense if it becomes a... Um, kind of like the Enterprise um, in, in, in Next mm-hmm. Generation, where that there are families living and working on the city together. That makes sense, but... Um, in the time period where Sebastian goes to um Atlantis, which is before even Midway is complete. The the circumstances had to be extreme. No. Which is exactly what you set up in the bridge. Right. So, yeah, I am thinking about the bridge. But, you know, there are other options. I mean, I have more options than I than I thought I did originally. Um, but the bridge is really appealing to me. What are you thinking about? Well, I only had two real contestants that weren't already in progress. One was um sequel to If Found, Please Return. Um, or a sequel. Because I have several plotted for that story. Um, and then... Um the sequel to um mm, 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 All Your Reasons. Um and the sequel Yay. to Stick Around. Stick around. Um I could I cause I I would head right after right after um Stick Around was trade. My favorite I started working. Of yours, it was summer, I have to say. Yeah, it was my favorite too. Yeah. So i thought about um because I'd, I'd started like the next scene for stick around right after rough Trade finished. Um, and I basically just went right into, I started the story with in a sex scene, like three weeks later. Right. And then I thought, you know, this, this is something I could do for a sequel. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to shelve this. And you know, if I decide to do it in April, I'll just throw out that, that one scene started with something else. That's not sex. Um, I, start, I imagine I. it's actually not a great place to start that story, but I think that I went there because I ended on a sex scene. <laughs> so it was just like, okay, let's just continue on in that vein. Because <laughs> I just kept working on it, you know? And so. I'm that, not mad. <laughs> nothing wrong with it. You could post that scene. as an interlude on your site as a teaser for April. Just saying. I could. Yeah. Here's a sex scene. Have some sexiness. Very sexiness, yes. I do think my leading contender is the the story I'm probably, like, leaning towards. I, I really have been, I really do, like, right now I'm more conceptually into, working on stick around. Like if I were to work be working on this challenge right now, I would be working that would be my pick. But because it's it's fresh in my mind, um, my interest in MCU is fairly high right now. So it, it would be a good pick for right this moment. But in November I'm going to have be writing MCU again. And I don't know, I'm not sure how I'm gonna feel when April comes around. So that's why all along the, the most likely candidate was sequel um, to if found. Which Tony's not in very much in the story that I plotted for the for for the sequel, The Next Story. He's um kidnapped in most of it. Um Again terrible, I know, I'm a terrible, no good mean person who um keeps having him be kidnapped. Well, I kind of made a joke. I wrote that like not a sequel, not 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 officially connected to if found, but sort of like a fan fiction of it, um for the big short. And um in it, Tony was eaten by that cave. Yeah, and you remember that. And yeah, um, John is thinking. He thinks about. He thinks about that. You know, he, they never should have let Tony come to Atlantis because he just disappeared. Everywhere he goes, he keeps disappearing. You know, and that that he you know he's been abducted multiple times. The Asgard had kidnapped him, and um, he'd been held hostage multiple times in. Um, Area 51. And I was just kind of a joke in that story. But it kind of created the germ of an idea. Um, not like an epic kidnapping thing, but I was trying to think of a way to bring Gibbs back into Tony's life more, more closely. And I thought, well, what if um, somebody abducted him that's actually something connected to the SGC, but it's made to look like it's personal. And um, because it's made to look like it's personal, the SGC is a little limited in what they can investigate, and Patrick gets really pissed off at the lack of traction and basically um, makes, ha- makes it happen that Gibbs gets read in on the Stargate program and gets pulled out to Nevada to find Tony. Um, so Gibbs winds up right into the, the program in order to find Tony, and then ultimately, by the end, the idea would be that he would transfer to Nevada, and Tony would have his mentor back, and everybody would be – yeah, so that was the idea. But like you know, I said, Tony's not in the story very much, because the story is focused more. Um, in the back of my mind, I'm totally shipping Patrick and ja- and um, Gibbs. Oh, it's totally happening. <laughs> That's <Okay. preparing laughs> to the story, which is, why, which is why Tony's not in it. I mean, it's totally from Patrick and Gibbs point of view. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So that's the, that's the story I plotted when I first started thinking about, it. cause my next story in the If sound verse one, I'd already started on, um, not very far into it, but I was like, you know, a little bit into the next story. Um, which focuses more on Tony's love life and stuff, but I had really had this kind of, like, blank spot that I was struggling with about, like, I really wanted him to have, you know, Gibbs back closer. Because I made them really close in the sound, in, in and so it was really kind of a, I don't know, I wanted to fix that, so but I hadn't come up with a remedy for it. And then you announced the Take Two challenge. I thought, well, the story I already hadn't processed isn't, I can't do it because... It is, um, it's already in process, so I can't use that. But I could solve my whole Gibbs problem and insert a story between the one I'm working on and the original story, and, figure, and then rework the next story. So that's what I plotted. That was the first thing I plotted when you talked about the Take Two Challenge um, was, was that story <clears throat> where... Um, yeah. I plotted lots of angry sex, a lot of sort of, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, a, I, w- I wasn't planning to go there at first, but then as I started to plot, I was like, these two have a remarkable amount in common, and they're both really kind of like a lot of tension running, tensions are running high, they're probably both kind of angry for no particular reason, well, for a particular reason, not at each other, and that just kind of leads to Angry sex. And they have a lot of chemistry you- in this round, I think. I mean, I, I had my slash goggles on from <laughs> moment one, but it seemed like there was some stuff there. I mean, it was kind of the same vibe I got when I, because I honestly, when I was writing Sentinel of Atl- Atlantis when I first plotted it, that first draft that that I that I lost, um, Jack and Patrick were not appearing on my list, um, and. When I got them together on the page, I was like, oh. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) And that's the same vibe I got when I was reading it. found, oh, look at that. (laughs) Yeah, and I didn't expect that. Like like when I wrote it originally, I didn't expect that. So that was kind of percolating back there. So when I wrote the story where Tony's sort of like kind of – it's not really focused on him. Well, it's about him because that's what I do. But he's not really on screen because – you know, he very quickly figures out exactly what's going on, and it kind of would, like, mess up the, you know, I don't need him revealing what's going on. Because um. <laughs> I actually, it's one of those things, it's like if I have something that a character knows that I don't want them to reveal, it. it's one of those things that it annoys me as a reader when it feels disingenuous, when you're in that character's point of view, and it's like they're thinking about this big secret in such vague way. They're actually thinking about it and talking about it, but it's so vague that you can't decipher it. And it just comes across as disingenuous, like in their own thoughts, they're not blunt about this one secret. And so if I have something I don't want a character to reveal, I just don't go into their point of view at a moment when they would naturally be thinking about that thing. And if the source of the reason for Tony's abduction is if he figures it out, I can't go into his point of view really until I'm ready for that to be exposed. Because, of course, he's going to be thinking about it. What else would he be thinking about when he's been kidnapped? (laughs) He has been kidnapped. So... He's, you know, it's just, it's a little, it's like, that kind of, I mean, I see that in stories sometimes where it's like, there's like this obtuseness in the writing, like you can tell the author's trying not to reveal something, but when it's so patently obvious, it's just, it just comes across strange, I said, it just seems a little disingenuous from a character's point of view, right, that this character in their own point of view would be cagey, it's like, in their own head. Well, what they're doing is they're doing something that you hate, and that's, they're creating an unreliable narrator. And in a way, they're showing awareness of the audience. Yeah. The, char- the characters, are, depending upon how you look at it, either they are, the narrator is unreliable or the narrator is aware of the audience because why else would they be vague in in their own terminology? And, you know, it's just it's just, I don't like it. So... So he just, it's a whole of his point of view, you know, he, besides he's not doing anything, he's just locked in a room, <laughs> figuring shit out, twiddling his thumbs. <laughs> so his point of view is not particularly interesting. Patrick and Gibbs, you know, sparking off each other, that's going to be the interesting part, so. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board that train. One thousand percent on board that train. Um. <clears throat> I don't know i I had a couple of ideas for the sequel to Iterum. um and of course you know uh finding Ronan um will be uh paramount uh because he has been made a runner, and um they're gonna wanna fix that as quickly as possible um and it's uh. That, that could end up being very emotional. And I don't know where I'm going to be in April. <laughs> because yeah. I could just be in a place where I want to write James Potter running around killing Voldemort multiple times. <laughs> Which could be lots of fun. I, Cause cause that, I had would not be sad about that. enough. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. I know what's going to happen in the second book is that um Sirius's mother is going to die and he's going to inherit Grimmauld Place and he's going to go there and he's going to find the locket um which is going to put them on the path of find of, of of the horcruxes um and um because this Sirius has 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 not spent all this time in Azkaban so he's he's um he's been working as a magical cop for quite a while so he's not um And his goal has been to enter the Department of Mysteries. So he's been educating himself. So when he sees that locket, he knows it's something fucked up. And he brings it to James and the council start investigating it. And that's how they'll figure out that Voldemort made horcruxes. Um, And so then, you know, and then there'll be the diary. um, And then, you know, all the rest. And so uh that will be um adults being adults. There's going to be full-on adulting, adulting in the Harry Potter universe. Yeah, ad- yeah, adulting is required. Um and uh Originally I had not planned to eliminate Dumbledore. But it it wasn't in my plot, but um I had to there was something missing. And it seemed irresponsible for James to leave Dumbledore in play when he considered Dumbledore a threat to Harry. Um, But I wanted to kind of stretch out how much of a threat Dumbledore was. Um, But I realized that that was about me and not about James because uh, James had already proven that he wasn't um, interested in playing the, the, the long game um and that when he got the opportunity he immediately beheaded Voldemort <laughs> it was like <laughs> nope <laughs> didn't even ask any questions there was no let's bring him in Let, let's arrest no done dead and i realized that what i had plotted um was more about uh, author maneuvering than than doing justice to the character that i had um that i had shaped james potter into and so um I needed and also I needed to secure the elder wand. And so that's how that scene um developed where James takes the elder wand, which makes him um which now makes him um having two of the um Deathly Hallows. Oh. And they will find the ring because it's a well it's a Horcrux. So um yeah. course he doesn't know that he has two Deathly Hallows but uh it's just you know I was trying to I had to let go of my my own wants for the sequel to honor the character that I had created so that you know kind of threw me off and so I have two or three different plots that I have for a sequel one where um uh it's about six months after the the first book ends when um Sirius's mom dies and then another where Harry is um to enter Hogwarts for his uh for, for his first year. Um and uh because him and Hermione accidentally meet. Uh and so, you know, there's you know, I have a lot of options on that and I don't know um where I wanna go with it. But I really think that um here's what it boiled down to. That one plot that I did where it kind of shifts the focus to Harry was reader service because there were a lot of people who were kind of like, "Eh, there wasn't a whole lot of Harry Hermione here, but that, that, that wasn't the plot. They, they aren't even listed as pairing. Um, And so I I think that I half-assed kind of mentally shifted into a very comfortable place um, to tell a story that my readers obviously wanted, but it didn't, it's not serving my original story. And so the story of James um, hunting for horcruxes with Sirius and Armand Deering makes more sense to me. Oh, people were upset that Harry and Hermione didn't even meet in the book. They just need to get over that crap. Right? Because it's not about I just, them. Yeah. Well, ultimately, it's, it's like... about Harry, but it's not about that. Well, your story, your story means, Harry's their focus, but your story was about James. Right. And it's like people just need to learn to deal with that. It's like they just want to, um, that feels a little bit like people telling you to stay in your lane. Right? I don't got a lane, bitch. (laughs) I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. Um, But, yeah, so if I – if that could be the direction I go in April. It will just depend on how things progress for me in November and also how I feel about my second draft of my quantum thing. Yeah, April, I mean, we'll be making these – I mean, obviously sign-ups are in in March, so the decision time will be in March, but it's a little bit hard to – I don't know. I'm, sometimes it's like I, I like to know exactly what I want to work on way in advance and sometimes I'm like, well, it could be this or it could be that or it could be this. And, huh. um, I really like the idea of continuing the sound universe, but uh, and I really like the idea of that story. Um, it's just, yeah. I said if I could work on any one thing right now that was sequel for Rough Trade, it would be like if November was the sequel challenge, Yeah, I would be working on the sequel to stick around, but I probably should just be working on stick around so I can post it. (laughs) Preconceived notions for readers is is actually a, a big problem. Um, they uh they go into a fic expecting something and when they don't get it they get bit out of shape and they they send you you know they they tell you comments and um i had this spectacularly um uh self-involved comment on my site and i responded and told them to stop reading um where they said that every time they um see harry uh get something special or or when he's called lord potter they they cringe and i was like stop reading <laughs> you're in the wrong place yeah <laughs> i am all about lord potter <laughs> that is my favorite trope unless i am making we, him we, a king <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't even know that that i needed a royal harry trope because i had you know lord potter trope but yeah it's uh, that's just crazy. I mean, if it's making you miserable, and the thing is, only, the only the only reason to comment on that was because they thought that their opinion would hold weight with you. That's literally the only reason. And Especially I just since them, there was no reason. because yeah. what? No, not dog. <laughs> no, I mean stuff does stuff. Whether we want it to or not, stuff does kind of like sink in. Um, right where we kind of go, you know, it's like we're making decisions without really thinking through why we're making that decision, um, and then we kind of stop and go, wait, I think I'm doing this, not because it's what I want to do, but because um, um, it, um, it's not what I want to because I think it's what, what people will expect. So, like, I've been trying to finish up the next episode in... Um, the 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 for you universe the one with Ethan um, the senator, and it um, I keep hesitating on it on on finishing up the, the next episode because I feel like this is gonna sound I feel like it's too short not because I feel like it's too short but I and I was like I really feel like this is too short what I have planned I think I of a, what I have plotted I have very little left to go um I'm like is it because it's too short because I feel like it's too short or is it, I feel like I'm worried my readers are gonna be disappointed because it's Short. Um, So, uh, yeah, I had that little moment where I went, uh, "Okay, I need to, I need to stop this. There'll be none of these shenanigans." (laughs) I don't, you know, I. The thing is, is that she pushed a button on my. Absolute one hundred percent favorite trope. Yeah, isn't that? I mean, that's (laughs) that is kind of funny. (sighs) It's just wet (laughs) now. I'm just all about it. It's my favorite thing. She's all up in that. She's all up in that. And you know, I get it. I, in a way, I do get it. If if that's a trope you hate. And you come across somebody like myself who has as much content as I've got, and it's Lord Potter everywhere. <laughs> it's not really your... frustrating. Well, she—I mean, I don't know why she's reading Harry Potter on your site if she, that's, that's right? the trope she hates. Like, move on. You know, sometimes I'll come across a fic that sounds really great, and I'll be like, "God damn it, why is it a Harry Jenny pairing?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. say anything, well, but I get mad. <laughs> yeah. Why is the awesomeness got that awful bearing in it? So you know, um, I'm a decent rider. So you come across somebody who has a decent amount of thick, and they're you know a good rider, and um, they're they're in your fandom, and they're they're doing your pairing, but they're also doing this one trope that you hate above all others, and. You know, <laughs> It's like, it's like getting a candy bar and you open it up and it's really a rice cake. (laughs) Yeah, that would be that, that, that's disappointing just hearing about it. Um, but I did get a really awesome comment. Um, I have to find it and I'll read it out to you guys because it is awesome. Um, But, you know, reader expectations uh, can weigh down on you, which is why I suggest that, you know, new writers don't post your works in progress. You're just, it's just not a good idea. (laughs) I can't say enough that this is probably not a good idea. Are you looking for that comment? I am. um, I think it's in my feedback. I don't think it was a public one. That is the best shopping trip. Edie says the best shopping trip was Hermione walking into a shop and summoning everything I might need. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty perfect. Well, no, it wasn't in. I mean, some people manage, I mean, people who don't, who only publish completed works are pretty usually pretty die hard about it. Some people do really well publishing works in progress. But if you're not able to stay where you want to be and not, and, and, you know, and you're really – if you're not really good about not letting the voices of your readers influence you, I mean, if you struggle with that stuff, or if you don't know if you struggle with that stuff, give yourself the space not to be, not to post works in progress because you don't want to get soured on your own work. Okay, so this is this is my. Um... Uh, This person uh, commented on that old black magic. I read this entire fanfic in a day and a half. It's basically my dream story. I've been looking for something like this for years, and I finally found it. It was so well done, and I thoroughly enjoyed the entire trip. Thank you so much for writing this and for all the other things you write. You really made my entire week better. Now that's how you leave a comment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Yay. I made somebody's dream come true. <laughs> That's kinda rare, <clears throat> yeah, Hermione did do her shopping in a in a little um she went a little but she was leaving Earth forever. <laughs> Who knew what she might need? Magic. Magic but, knew what did she you see, might need. <laughs> did you see Ellie's comments above? About about some shopkeeper missing an elf? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's hysterical. You know, I wanted to plot something tonight, but I'm feeling remarkably unfocused. Focus me focus you that See seemed my Adderall um, that seemed oddly Kira- sexual Kira- <laughs> ew and in the role of Adderall we have Kira Marcos so you please okay um fandom <sighs> fandom Fandom, 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 fandom. <laughs> Let's send Tony to Atlantis somehow, some different okay. way. Tony goes to Atlantis in a different way. Well, I just said different way. I threw that out there. a Different way, like I'm like I'm throwing my, like I'm throwing on the gauntlet to myself. Um, like, some way it hasn't been done. So, like, I just ruled out him going out as Agent Afloat because that's not very different. <laughs> hey, Dual Complete AU. Um, John gets his wish list of, uh, of of new recruits, and the Navy sends him a SEAL team. Led by Lieutenant Commander Anthony Denoso. Make it work. Make it work. Make it work make it work. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I don't have a problem with Tony being a seal, but it's never really been like my big dream to write that. Um, actually I love reading it, but um hmm. I must have kidnapping on the brain. Why do I have kidnapping on the brain? I have, like, my brain throwing up kidnapping plots. is my sister watching? There's an epic amount of screaming going on. Oh, Nobody's thankfully we can't hear it. You, in case you guys can hear that. that no, Nobody's dying. Maybe. Um, what if Masai puts out a hit on him because of the whole Michael situation? Which seems like something they would do. I mean, they keep trying to kill Ziva, after all. And she's one of their own, right? <laughs> we've 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 infected people with the mothership. What if okay okay wait a, minute, wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute hmm. So combining ideas based upon something that. Somebody in the chat room just said what if John gets his wish list and he gets a SEAL team led by Lieutenant Commander McGarrett ooh okay. on it's board it's on Atlantis and this would be sort of like a riff on one of my own ideas what if um um uh, I am uh, I'm I'm having a a blank on Stargate S G S G A Canon. But the are the Asgard ever in Pegasus aside from the feral ones? The so, yeah, aside from aside from what? Well, there's some feral Asgard and um Pegasus. They're I mean, all aside from I mean aside from aside from the, the the one that I can't remember his name who rides around on the Daedalus. Hermoid um, who for years I spelled yeah. hemorrhoid. <laughs> Which that's not how I thought that that was pronounced, but there you go. Um Hermoid? I mean, I, don't, I don't know how you pronounce it. That's how I pronounced it. I thought it was like Hermiod. So, how's it pronounced, people? Anyway, aside from Tim, I know there's an Asgard on the ship, but are there any. Did the Asgard ever go there in the course of canon? Not the SG1 ones, no. Just him. Just him. Herm- is okay. he Barbassing Hermiod? I don't think that's how you. It's definitely that's not how it's spelled. Hermiod, you are right. Meriad, okay, yes, that is Hermione. um Okay. Um, man, I've slid so far down in this chair that I'm about to fall right out of it. Uh, wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time. I've I've slid out of many. <laughs> um, I've slid out of many a chair in my life. Um, fallen off many a couch. Um, okay. What is so? Hand waving cannon. What if um, okay? So Steve's already there. And what if there's some kind of um, that they have critical power problems because the critical power problems were always a thing. And like they're going to have to abandon if they can't figure out a better power solution out there. And the Asgard tell them something like um, or something like well the, the location of ZPM should be in the Atlantis Red Database. That's where they were stored. And, like, apparently this port- portion of the database is locked. And um, they ask, uh, what, what do we you – know, they say, well, you have to just – you have to have a key to – you have to have the right key to unlock the database. Well, anyway, so they basically asked the Asgard for help with getting whatever key it is that need the database, not understanding what they're asking for, um, which is that um, uh, Atlantis is, is, is genetically locked. So this, I so said, this is kind of a rough one on my own ideas along different um, DNA lines, and the the security and weapons that kind of thing. The tactical security was the so like maybe three DNA lines or something like that. The so basic operations is the line that John the type of gene that he has. And maybe they don't know that there's a difference between the ATA genes. And so they need somebody who comes from a different uh, strain of the ATA gene. They just don't know that's what they're talking about. So they ask the Asgard, not understand what they're asking for, if they could help them with the key. And maybe the Asgard feel like they owe them a favor. So what they do is they do a DNA hunt on the earth. And so then they go, thinking they've got permission to do this, they go and grab Tony and take him to Pegasus. (laughs) And beam him down to Atlantis and go, there you go, <laughs> as requested. And Tony's going, what the fuck, man? <laughs> why Why are these little gray men? I've been abducted by aliens. It's just like all the bad movies, all the bad sci-fi movies have come true. I've been abducted by the little gray men. I don't understand. <laughs> and they just clunk <laughs> him down. There <laughs> you go. And they Here's just clunk him down um, in Atlantis so that he can unlock. um the database, to get the location of the ZPMs, and by the way, look, there's Lieutenant Commander McGarrett. It would be funny, actually, if McGarrett knew Tony. Like maybe Yeah, they had that had a would package. be entertaining. Like, yeah. Because that way, Steve could be Tony's um, moral support after he was... Um, Abducted by yes. aliens. Moral support. That's <laughs> what we're calling that now. Moral support. Yeah, moral support. <laughs> now, this is a case of where that's a lot of plot, a lot of setup plot to get him there. And then I gotta kind of go for what? Just to get them together, which could be. Um, I just tend to. Well, honestly, to I would start of- it when they beam him down and then have it all unfold afterward. And they'll be like, what? You asked us to get the key. We got the key. <laughs> we came all the way to Pegasus to bring you this key. We owed O'Neill a favor, and he asked for this Here's key, the and there it is. Here's your key. And not give each other like judging looks. Humans are so excitable. (laughs) (laughs) We're done here. What's the matter with you people? This would be an excellent opportunity for them to stumble across their feral colony and pick them up before they anal probe Rodney. (laughs) (laughs) That would be an excellent opportunity for that. I do not have a mechanical keyboard And Doctor any Deca. typing. Uh-huh. So if we start with the beam down, um, then it could actually be a fairly short story, if you start with the beam down, um, that is about maybe Steve and Tony kind of reconnecting and getting back together. Um, yeah, Tony would be the key master. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they could keep him there under the guise of him being uh, agent of flow. But, I mean, can you imagine the shitstorm storm back at home? Because, well, that'd be tough to explain because Tony's vanished. And even for the Asgard, the trip is probably... I don't know. At least a few because days. Because when O'Neil... Now, the Asgard aren't in the Milky Way. But when O'Neil sent up a signal to get them they were pretty much in orbit within a few hours and the Asgard have the ability to to power gates between galaxies and step through shields and I mean they're a and they didn't really give Earth all that technology until they were going to kill themselves I never watched the very last, the last two seasons, or is it two or three seasons? Once the Ori came into the picture, I watched like two episodes of the Ori, and I went, no. No. But the Asgard, um, and then there was an episode with Thor's hammer. Um, The Asgard appeared within minutes of Thor's hammer being destroyed. Mm, that's true. So they get around definitely quicker than... Because I know they contributed to the faster than light drive on the list, right? Right. Um, they helped with... But it, it still takes the list. A round trip on the list is what, six weeks? I thought it was two or three weeks. Oh, a round trip. Yeah. Yeah. About six weeks. Three weeks yeah. out, three weeks south. Yeah. So... But yeah, when he gets taken while he's taking voice prints on dead air. That's an extra layer of of, of petty right there. <laughs> Actually, Eddie, that is awesome because he would vanish in the middle of a case. Um, his comms would just go dead, and no one would. It would. It would also, um, if Steve's already on Atlantis, that's pre Hawaii Five O. He wouldn't have been hunting the Hess brothers, and Steve's daddy wouldn't get killed. That's true, because he would never have Anton Hitsch. Um So Tony Vance, I do I do some timeline jiggling with um, Stargate a little bit, so that it's not, you know, but you'd have to because 2004 to 2010. But you can't change for me. I can't. I know some people who do. I don't understand how they do it. How you change the timelines on shows in the same universe? But whatever, you do you. Um, Like I, I would, I would never change the timeline of of SGA versus SG one. I mean, they're in the same universe; they interplay off of each other. So, people who change right. the time, the timeline of of NCIS and, and Hawaii Five O, work against each other. Like say that, you know, season one of Hawaii Five O takes place in season two of NCIS. It, it just it literally breaks my brain. I don't I don't understand how that works. So when so they're did they're in the um, same fucking universe? When did uh, Dead Air happen? Uh, Dead Air happens um, first season of Hawaii Five O, which is the, the year. The year. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just jiggle the, probably move the Stargate timeline up a couple of years, two or three years. So I want it to probably be in season two, maybe. Of, I usually try to put things pre pre um, like blowing the, that planet up um, oh um, Duranda, Trinity Duranda, pre-Trinity, Trinity. <laughs> thank you um, I usually so I usually try to put things pre there but anyway um, so that was August 2005, if you push it up, that's when Trinity took place um, that's also when Instinct takes place um, which turns John into a bug yeah, so just push things up five years um, for Stargate. I mean, moving Stargate's timeline around is like never stressed me out at all. You know, just I've moved it around a decade because their technology was so far off of what was really viable for that time anyway. That um, I honestly I'd put it in between um, Runner and Duet. That way you have Ronan, um, and it's before McKay and Cadman share a body. Okay. It so, like, be like July you know, and August of, of the year that you pick. Well, the Stargate timeline's always been a little squig, you know. The, the wet month did things appear occur in is always right. been very strange. So, the month about start the if I go about like the hard point in time is like if we say it I would do it um it, NCIS is the fixed timeline and then have the Stargate timeline slide around. So, If we say, I think it's October of 2010 is when Tony's abducted, then if I'm putting that between, then that sets the the Stargate timeline, which would be if I'm going between um, Runner and Duet, then it would be October of 2010. And then, you know, that's how I've done it in the past when I've worked on that, because I never have been able to get any even when I dig in and try to decipher when things occurred, it's like nothing makes sense versus the broadcast dates between the two shows. It's just an indecipherable timeline. So, Whereas NCIS was pretty careful to try to stay pretty close to their air date within a few weeks margin. Um, With the exception of their bookend episodes, which is sometimes you would have a um, a continuation, like a, they'd have to do a cliffhanger episode in May, and you get the continuation in September. But then you'd have a time skip in the next episode, right? But anyway, so yeah, so I'd have him. But that would be so, like if he disappears, if he disappears right off the street, like they just beam him up, um, and let's see, like even you know, that—that'd be like a whole thing that he doesn't even find out until later. Is that you know he they didn't even notice for like three hours. So Tony's like, they're gonna be freaking out about my absence. But like when he arrives, if we do the thing where he 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 we start with him arriving at Atlantis and like so they so they try to like sit him down to explain to him where he is and he's like, Yeah, 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 I know. They explained. When I wouldn't stop trying to escape, they explained. (laughs) I get it. I understand. Big secret I haven't signed a non-disclosure agreement. You're just angst about that now. Um, someone has to contact my employers, however, and let them know that I'm not dead. That would be great. Thank you. And then it goes back and forth, finding out that he eventually finds out through reports what happened. And oh, I went from just being entertaining to this being angsty.
1: But don't anyway, you, always, there you have a, you have a whole support.
0: angsty thing going on. I do. I don't go too angsty, though. I don't go, like, you know, I don't go, like, burn the world down, dystopian future, you know. No, that's what Lady Holder does. But actually, it was a, it, it, Her her angst is still not, like you know, I'm gonna like rip my heart out, angst. It's still what I can. It, it's it's who I can deal with, you know. You ever have you ever seen the TV show Grim? Yes. Okay. So ask me who the I ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ship. Um, why am I forgetting the name of the main character? Uh, Nick, I'm just Nick. my brain is not all there. Nick Nick I shipped it. Yeah, Nick. I shipped Nick with um Sean Renard. I mean Yes. One thousand percent. Who else? Who else? Who <laughs> else? Um Yeah, so anyway I was gonna say is that when I first started watching Grimm, and I didn't watch the last like season and a half or so. It's just the show got a little bit weird. Um but I had to stop watching it, because it was in particular. But yeah, but because of the, its it for for its subject matter, it is remarkably lighthearted. Um, yeah, and not in like a, it's not cracky, but it just it doesn't leave you feeling like you could, like some movies that are ha- like like supernatural is not lighthearted for the most part, and they deal with very similar subject matter, right? But grim, I mean, you could watch that right before bed, you could binge watch it and feel good about life. I mean, supernaturally, you binge watch and you may want to kill yourself. Um, <laughs> so, I just, but anyway, so that, that I think of, when I think about Lady Holder and her burn the world down, you know, kind of like take no prisoners, angst, level of angst, she's kind of like grim as opposed to supernatural level of angst. For me, that's the way I read her. To to my to, to the to the Jilly Angst scale. She's more grim level angst than supernatural level angst. I don't read anybody who's supernatural level angst because I don't like it. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. Somebody asked, Would Tony call people up on actions taken based well first, you know, in, in terms of the plotting, I mean Tony's gonna um if Tony winds up there as um actually assigned there officially like as an agent afloat he is that would be his job i mean part of the ncis agent the agent afloat's job is force protection support and that includes matters of base security and um just all manner of things that he would have to dig into so yeah it could change quite a bit if he's in there doing things but things would be a little bit different just for, for virtue of the fact that steve would be on the on the city the whole time I don't see Tony being on board with the whole Michael thing.
1: No, I don't either.
0: Mm. You don't experiment on prisoners. Considering you're I at always, war with the rights, that's that—that's a war crime. Yeah. Oh, desert! If Danny isn't a. Um, uh, a blue bod, I don't even know what to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Danny could also be a. Oh. What are the male hexen beasts? cyber Z- beast? What's it Rachel. That would make Rachel. That, it would be awesome if Rachel was a hexen beast because she's totally a hexen beast. <laughs> she is. She is completely a hexen beast. Um, when it comes to Don't Ask, Don't Tell in stories, I either have it, if if I don't want to deal with it, I just have it already have been dealt with because Don't Ask, Don't Tell was done away with in 2011 anyway in the real world and, you know, you could have it have been dealt with. Um, but it could also be, you know, that you write it into the Atlantis Charter that they don't put up with any of this kind of nonsense because technically it's an international operation you don't have to have. U.S. military rules being the order of the day. So when it comes to real-life stuff like that, I, if I don't want to deal with, and I rarely do, quite frankly, I rarely want to deal with the ramifications of people in the military having to be in secret relationships because of stupid laws. Um, ask me how I really feel. So I usually just kind of hand wave that away. That's what I do. I don't even bother with address. I just it. I'll, it if at most, I'll make a note that they did away with, you know, Don't Ask, Don't Tell a few years ago. Because why put yourself through the misery of having to deal with those shenanigans? Oh no! I think one of the most satisfying stories I ever wrote was about the um, the end of DAD of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. That was one of my that's one of my favorite stories of yours. It was, um, I think pretty much when I confirmed that John Shepard was my unicorn. (laughs) That was the moment, huh? Yeah, that was the moment. My favorite line in that whole story is when John's in the closet having his little meltdown, and Rodney knocks on the door and said, John, seriously, no pun intended, but you need to come out of the closet now. You need to come out of the closet, John. Stop writing. I laugh myself sick. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is the eyebrow trash talk one. Yeah, John. Yeah, John's speech. I will space you or report you a wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories of yours. It may be. I mean, I love all of your SGA stories. That may be my favorite SGA story of yours. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I I really enjoyed uh, um, that story. Um, I also really enjoy emotional clockwork. I wouldn't mind doing a sequel to emotional clockwork. I wouldn't be sad. Would anybody else be sad? (laughs) Of course, I also have to do a sequel to The Subtle Body, so, if I could get on some full on getting on
1: <laughs>
0: because I had this idea that the ramifications of the subtle body is that um uh, their connection with their spirit animal is permanent um, and they don't know it until there's a um they're on a scene, and uh, Steve loses his weapon, and he's in a fight with somebody, and shifts into his werewolf form. I mean, I mean his wolf form. <laughs> I was like, my I, my brain stalled out as Steve loses his weapon. Werewolf. <laughs> and then werewolf, and then werewolf came along, and I went, huh? So he's not his weapon, form. but he he's out of ammo, so he's you know he's. His weapon is no longer going to serve him, and he's in a physical fight. And, you know, it's, it's just like it's really common for Steve to get in a physical fight in Hawaii 5 He seems to... <laughs> That's what he does. ...run out of ammo on purpose a lot. But anyway, he shifts into his wolf form, which they, which freaks them all out. It especially freaks out the dude that he was fighting. Um, it's in my plot. But, um, and they don't know, like, Tony freaks the fuck out. Like, like, that they're being cursed again. But then Steve comes back naked, so... Silver lining. <laughs> that is quite a solid. Jim lining. did drop his gun a lot in the Sentinel. Um Steve would not drop his gun. Um but he does seem to run out of ammo a lot. And jump on people and <laughs> from tall places. He just likes to get in there. But I but the the idea is that you know the his gun is no longer gonna serve him so he has to, you know he has to go all in and the wolf comes out. But um but that's how they learn that their um connection to the spirit their spirit guide is permanent and they can both shift at will. I think that's great. And you could explore the relationship side of it more. Right. Outside that whole travesty of a thing I tried to do with urban fantasy. It's like, look what you did to yourself. Look what you did. (laughs) I can see Tony just losing it on the phone. Where where's that fucking asshole? You told me it wasn't gonna be a problem. Well Steve's a goddamn wolf again. <laughs> it's a fucking problem. <laughs> We're supposed to be done with that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally down with, with Quill losing his shirt in at every opportunity in Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm and I'm whatever, cool however, just so, take it off a new Aquaman trailer dropped me and my a husband new watched it together new Aquaman um and um I wasn't listening with my headphones and he was like don't you care what they're saying and I'm like nope I'm not gonna care in a movie theater either <laughs> I'm not going to see that for the plot any more than I went and saw Tarzan <laughs> for the plot it's not about the plot <laughs> I said, this is, yeah, it is. this is almost as good as possible this is perfect t-shirt. <laughs> the perfect t shirt the perfect t shirt that was that was a hard working t shirt perfect t shirt hmm. oh who gives a shit what's happened look at that pretty man <laughs> But yeah, the action of the movie does look pretty good. Um I'm I'm gonna say. And I'm I'm kinda burnt out on on the whole thing and I'm i I've not I'm not even a DC, um reader. Um I remember Super Friends when I was little. I didn't watch um uh, Superman versus Batman. I didn't watch um but I did watch Wonder Woman because hell yeah. Um I watched the new superman uh it was it was okay uh I'm just not um but Aquaman yeah, I'll go see that I'm on board with that. I'm also on board with Wonder Woman too i yeah, I'll be interested to see how they how they make that work. that'll be interesting. I got burned out on the on the whole Batman franchise in general, but um, I saw all the Superman movies. Um, I enjoyed Justice League. Well, it wasn't the best movie ever. And as I have said before, DC, let's rethink the tentacles. Um, and I love it. <laughs> so I'll continue Wonder to Woman. see anything Wonder probably Woman. In, the, in the Justice League franchise just for the entertainment value because I do tend to find those kind of superhero movies. Um. um I find it entertaining. I, I really, I guess it's, it's not a great movie, but it, it, I can, I can see movies that's not great if I'm entertained. Um, as long as I can suspend my disbelief around most of their shenanigans, I just go. It doesn't have to. This is, this is a different universe. Things, the, the laws of the physics, physics don't even apply in that universe. So there's an Aquaman after all. So I just whatever. But I enjoy. I know a lot of people hated Suicide Squad, but I really liked it. So, um, like I said, I was entertained. And that's, uh, with that kind of movie, I go in with my expectations low. I'm not expecting a great plot. But with Wonder Woman, I went in with low expectations, and I was blown away. Because I got, it was good acting. It was a great plot. It was a great movie. It was, it was everything I wanted in a, you know, um, female superhero movie. It was, it was wonderful. It was everything. So, but Yeah, I, that was so. I was so emotionally satisfied by that. I cried, and it, it, it was a very good cry. I was like, "Yes, that was yes, hell yes." That's what we needed. <laughs> That's what we needed. So I, but I, I don't expect. Um, and I'm not a comic book purist. I, when I read a lot of times the criticism of um, these movies, it's people who are annoyed about it's not enough like comic books. Um so but sometimes I just think people say that kind of stuff, just to bitch, just to bitch. I mean I saw somebody bitching about something not being close to the comic book on the character and I pointed out that they're a big fan of the T V adaptation of this particular character and that the T V adaptation isn't like the comic books either. So isn't that a little hypocritical? And they are kinda of like, Well, yeah, but really I'm not I don't really care about I'm, I'm saying that, but really, I'm just pissed off that they didn't cast who I, I wanted—the TV actor—to be in the movie, and I'm pissed off that they didn't do it. So now I'm just bitching about everything about it that I can possibly bitch about. I'm like, okay, whatever. You mean you mean you just want to have something to bitch about? So, but I I do find that most of the critics, the really hardcore criticism, comes from people who are like comic book purists. Um, and I'm not that person. I'm just going to be entertained. And if there's a really hardworking T-shirt um, available, I'm I'm down with that. I'm good. For, I'm good to yeah. see that. Yeah. Although I have to say that King Kong Skull Island did briefly ruin my ability to eat um, calamari. Oh um, yeah. Mm. Only briefly. It messed me up. Yeah. It was brief. Yeah. Check. I, I got over I, I really like calamari. <laughs> I wasn't going to let it get me down for long. <laughs> for me, Wonder Woman was, was exactly what I wanted it to be. And it, it wasn't, um, it was, I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that was, thank you. Just, yeah. yeah. And, um... I don't think we would have gotten that same movie if a man had directed it. I know that's terrible, but I don't care. It wasn't made with a man's gaze or for a man's gaze, and I think that made a world of difference. Yeah, I agree. Well, just look at the difference between how the Amazonians were portrayed um, in the Wonder Woman movie versus um, in Justice League. I didn't watch Justice League. Uh, it wasn't a huge difference, but it was definitely they went more from warrior society to leather bikinis. You know, it just okay. It wasn't. It, it was only a few. It wasn't all of them. It, it was a few of them, but still, you went from um, nobody. You know, looking like having unfunctional clothing to why are Why are they running around? And basically what basically amounts to a leather string bikini. It doesn't make any sense. Um, well, now I'm pissed. I'm, I'm I'm glad I didn't watch it. And I'm assuming that that was the original director of Justice League because I don't see Joss Whedon usually doesn't pull those kind of shenanigans. He is—I just joss Whedon must be the biggest ass man in the world because there is no ass scared from the gratuitous ass shots in his in his his superhero movies. I mean, whenever I see a really like a shot like a shot where the angle is coming up that just captures the ass, and then there's all this ac- action happening in the other direction, I'm like, okay, Joss. So in in um in Justice League. Um, I was trying to figure out, like, I bet you that I bet you this is one of the scenes that um, that that Joss reshot because look at that ass shot. That is so him. I mean, The Avengers is just rife <laughs> with ass shots. Man, woman, it doesn't matter. Everybody's ass is fair game. So I would say he's got to be he's got to be an ass man. He has to be because there's so many ass shots in his movies. He's an opportunity ass shot as well. It's not just Natasha. <laughs> oh, it's everybody. It's everybody. Yeah, um, it, he's he's equal opportunity, but it's, it's no doubt about that. We get we get as many shot uh, we get as many shots of Tony Stark's ass as you do of anybody else's. So, and all the jokes in uh, in Thor Ragnarok about Tony and his tight pants they they were tight pants. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little joke, that little thread through to um, Infinity War where Bruce said, Tony, you got to stop wearing your pants so tight. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real problem for me. <laughs> well, especially, I mean, I can't imagine the last time Bruce realistically wore tight pants. He can't afford that kind of risk. He's, he's got to have stretchy pants. You know, he's he's, he's, a, he's a man of sweat. He is a man of sweatpants because he's less likely to wake up naked. <laughs> he has a little give in the waistband. There, I'm telling you, you watch if you have not paid attention to the ass shots in in the first Avengers movie. I I charge you to go back, watch the first Avengers movie, and count the ass shots At the number of shots where you have got an ass in the frame. And then the action is happening beyond the butt. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's just—it's unbelievable. Just go, go count the ass shot, and, and it's everybody. It is everybody, except maybe Nick Fury, who keeps his coat on the whole time. But I'm not even a hundred percent sure about that. I'd have to go back and double check to see if we got Nick Fury's butt too. Anyway, so then we get to we get to Justice League, and I'm like. We get we get some amazing ass shots um, of Wonder Woman and um, uh, and and Batman and I'm just like there's there's a lot of butt shots all of a sudden this seems awfully familiar. <laughs> Joss, is is this that one, you? Joss? you? <laughs> this is you. <laughs> Yeah, if you put hurt you that be, I do think the first Avengers movie was the best of the Avengers movies, so um it's never a hardship to rewatch it. And besides it, it's it's no hardship to look at those butts. Pause and pause, pause, appreciate, unpause, move to the next one. Beyond the butt. I'm not sure you can get beyond the butt when it comes to Joss. I have, yeah, I don't think he ever will. And I, I don't want him to. I mean, especially because he's, I've got no problem looking at nice butts at all. So, um, and because he's he's equal opportunity about the whole thing, like nobody is spared the ass shot in movies. I have no problem with it. It's not like he's objectifying anybody. Well, he might, I mean, if he's objectifying anybody, he's objectifying all of them. He's putting all of them in tight clothes and shooting them from the ass. <laughs> so it's... Go for it, Josh. Keep doing the ass shots. You know, I blame warning labels for our current situation. We put we started putting warning labels on shit, and people and, and natural selection lost its edge. It did. It did. It's like participation between participation and dumb people survived long enough. They they survive long enough to breed more dumb people. They're totally fucking up our species. Warning labels and liars. There is a warning label. Um, I read it. There's a warning label on. I want to say it's on a jet ski. It is hysterical um, because basically it says that you should not wear a bikini um, on the jet ski um, because of high velocity water can um, cause like basically vaginal trauma. (laughs) And that's not exactly how it's (laughs) worded, but it it basically says if you aren't wearing proper gear, if you're wearing a minuscule bathing suit, some high-velocity water could enter your body, and you don't want that. And I just, I was like, the person who had to write that warning label and figure out how to word (laughs) that. Yeah. I don't. Be careful Except of your vagina. Warning labels for, but, but it wouldn't occur to me to write a jet ski in a bikini either, so. No, no. Okay, I think I found it. Shazir... Severe internal injuries can occur if water is forced into body cavities as a result of being near jet thrust nozzle. Wear a wetsuit bottom or clothing that provides equivalent protection. That's one of them. I (laughs) see. If you're too dumb to figure out all out on your own, you don't need to. You just get what you deserve. That was like the, the see, see what I mean? See, are you looking at his shoulders or his arms or are you looking at his butt? Tell me. This. I am looking at his butt. Of course you Anybody are. Anybody who That's doesn't look at America's ass in that scene is ridiculous and they're a liar. Yeah, Chris Evans' ass is a work of art. I mean, a, also, really a work um, of art. I think in this scene, I think we 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 came to terms with the fact that um, he's definitely not a briefs man. That's he's he's commando or he's in boxers right there. I guess it could be a jockstrap, but but his booty mm-hmm. is not contained by briefs. There's too much separation in the cheeks. He's not unibu... He doesn't have a unibut that comes with briefs. It could be boxer briefs, I guess. Maybe. It could, well, no, but that would have the same effect as briefs. It would smooth everything out. You wouldn't have that. You wouldn't... The natal cleft would not be so defined. Um, Evident, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other option is a thong, but I really don't think Captain America is wearing a thong. <laughs> If he is, it's red, white, and blue. (laughs) But I remember being in that uh, in the theater for that scene, and my mom was sitting between me and my husband, and um, this this scene pops up, and she says, "God bless America." And it amused me so much that it actually ended up in one of my fictions, one of my 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 shorts Darcy says it um that that came that that came from my mom. That's awesome. What'd your husband say? He just leaned he just leaned forward and looked at me, and I was like <laughs> just, just shrugged because I ain't got shit to say. <laughs> Like, don't blame me for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 all about the butts. Joss Whedon is all about the butts. I I, I mean you got to figure. I mean everybody's got a nice ass. So did, did they, were they cast for their ass potential? Can you can you turn around? Nah, dog. You're not gonna work out. <laughs> we need to get another angle on this. Oh, sorry, that just won't do. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Lady Holder is is getting us proof of of the butt ass shots. <laughs> that is not anything I wanted to see. That is not anything I wanted to see. I think that's actually terrible. I mean, I don't think you should have the stars and stripes in your ass crack. I mean, <laughs> it could be just me. You don't want the stars I and do like the idea of it actually you illegal. Like idea. I'm pretty sure it's illegal to put the, the stars and stripes in your ass crack. Song <laughs> <laughs> so or not. If it's an, if an actual flag, flag, yes, but I... I oh, I if okay. Like an actual corner. Corner. <laughs> what they do now. <laughs> I have to find a chair. Oh. <laughs> oh, Edie. Yeah, you definitely need to go to the unfun corner for that. <laughs> oh. We're gonna call that um that clearly That's could not have been one, knitted no. for that purpose. That was a uh, uh, lighthouse model T cozy kind of thing. But it does um, remind me of that of the Iowa the the, the farm in Iowa thick. Uh the underwears. <laughs> when Finn's wearing a nose warmer on his penis. <laughs> and his Christmas underwears. But <laughs> I cannot read that thick that that short without laughing my ass off. I can't get through it. Okay, it is it is impossible. It wouldn't very be, it wouldn't be a very functional strap on. Baby Jesus pom poms. Yes, best thick ever. <laughs> Baby Jesus pom poms. Yeah, that's the. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's it's oh, the farm, farm in Iowa verse, and yeah, um, and the short story is called Baby Jesus pom poms, and um, Finn finds a nose warmer that John bought as a joke for Rodney, and he puts it on like underwear. He's like three or four. He's calling it Christmas underwears. It's just <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> uh, no, unawares. It's it's great. It's great. If, if you've not read The Farm in Iowa, I highly recommend it. If you're a McShep um, fan, because it is amazing. It's an AU. Um, the Baby Jesus Pom Poms A Farm in Iowa story, and that's the one where where um, Finn finds some special Christmas underwear. <laughs> I don't think Az needs booze. She's already a problem. Az needs. We don't need. She to needs, it She needs what? Oh, booze. Do we have Azure. what you said- wash her mouth out with booze for that one. No. We don't. Did need you her think drunk. booze? Because apparently she's got a whole bunch of boobs too. I was like, she's fine on the boobs front. Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. Was yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm afraid of. I'm a, the the purple prose is bad enough. I'm afraid of what drunk purple prose would be like. Not that I want to challenge you in any way, Azure. I'm not. She asked me last y- yesterday if I was throwing down the gauntlet over something. I'm like, oh hell no! I was like raising, waving a white flag. I was not challenging you. I wouldn't dare. Uh, I'm looking forward to Z. Looking forward to uh <laughs> Well we discussed we're all looking forward to K. Yeah. So she's in G right now. I I don't know how Z's gonna work out but I'm looking forward to it. Oh she'll make Z work out. I know. No, I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um we we kinda plotted. <laughs> there was a we little bit of plot. In there. there there was like there in the middle. Yeah, it was like one thing. But I like the one thing. It's entertaining. I'm entertained by it. I like the idea of the Asgard kidnapping Tony. Um it just it seems really funny. It seems like Especially Um it's since they think they've been given permission to do that. Because they probably assume that, you know, that the um, parents have, understand that Atlantis is a DNA lock. And when, so when they're asking for the key, they think that they know exactly what they're asking for. So excitable. They are very excitable. And I, since when you're uh, well, not quite at the end, but. I did finally get my sheep. <laughs> did you I told you Lord not, have to mercy. Feed, not to harvest until you had feed. because
1: oh, it's oh, pitiful. <laughs> Lord have
0: mer- Lord have mercy. <laughs> That's just That just shouldn't be. It should not be. That's just wrong. It is it is pitiful, and the wings just really make it. Apparently, the pigs are pretty terrible, too. Oh, Lord, I can't even... I don't even know if I want to know. Do I want to know? No, we'll get there. We will eventually get there.
1: Liz, you Liz. lightweight.
0: <laughs> I'm like at 25 my, million. Miles. My top score is um I think probably fifty thousand. Yeah, Five hundred and fifty nine thousand is my top score. For twenty forty eight. So my top score today. My top score uh, was somewhere upwards of twenty million before I fucked up. And then I started over. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Well, but there's a difference between the flag itself and a flag print. A print of, like, using stars and stripes in a different configuration that is not the American, literally the American flag. My chat stopped scrolling for some reason. Those aren't asses. Lady Holder, you're failing on the ass shot front. That's just, that's just. It looks like an argument brew. Panavia is at one point um, eighty-eight million. On, see, I told you guys, it's addictive. Um, we're sorry for the sleep you won't be getting tonight. Sort of. Don't forget to write. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to put it down occasionally and <laughs> and work on your work on your quantum bang. Well, that's somebody's ass. Um that's nobody's ass. <laughs> anyway. Or was that her mooning me? Was that her mooning me? Was I was I being mooned? We have I think you were being mooned. We have ten minutes left. I feel like we should plot something. Speed plot. <laughs> it's sort of like speed dating, but speed not. plot. <laughs> Okay, okay. Go. <laughs> <laughs> me, I already, I already, you, you. It's your turn. Well, give, give okay. me something. Give me something. Give me something. Um, um. John, right after the, right after the they find out about the rent. The first, the beginning. It's the beginning of the epic series, like what the fuck ever. I can't speak. John decides to enforce the 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 charter and takes command of the expedition. Wow. Um Okay. Uh Elizabeth refused to let, refuses to let John leave the city with the jumper to rescue Sumner. So John exercises his right as the current uh, ranking military officer to take over the whole thing. He gets there sooner. And he gets to the Hive. He rescues everybody. He brings them back and then lets Sumner know that he's now in charge of the expedition because he displaced Weir because Weir wouldn't let him rescue his CO. Oh, okay. So Sumner doesn't, he doesn't wind up having to shoot. Right. Because the thing is, is that Elizabeth made them jump through hoops to go rescue Sumner. Right. What if John was just said, Fuck it, no, we're not we're not doing this. We're not having this conversation. We are going now go sit in your office and think about yourself. I love that go stand by her door and watch her think about herself. <laughs> and see that really opens it up because it puts John in the position of Genuinely being Sumner's second-in-command at that point, you know, it's something that he assumes is this is what we're doing. And um I think it would really endear him to the Marines that he went all out for Sumner. And they wouldn't have any problem if he said, um, I need you to, she's trying to prevent me from going to get Sumner, Um I want you to. Keep, keep keep a lid on her put her in the put her in the barracks or something, not barracks um the brig or something. I like that, yeah, I mean, because the thing is is that you know the the fact of the matter is that the moment the wraith attacked that them off world elizabeth Weir was no no longer qualified to be the leader of the expedition agreed um and so no, and I'll be like, yeah, bitch, whatever. <laughs> but I, I think it would be really awesome to see John just have that moment, like, no, and fuck you. This is this is not how it's going to happen. Um, you're not qualified to make this decision. Therefore, you're not going to go sit in your office. And the charter, I mean, conce- conceivably, the charter really backs him up. Um, at least my head is that if there is that the military has to be in charge in the event of a threat. Because why would a diplomat be in charge of the city if there was a threat of attack? Um, and it sh- that's the way it should be. He should be telling her to go sit down and be quiet until the fighting's over. Since she doesn't have anything constructive to add. It was just so bizarre that she had that they gave her any authority in that situation. And what would really be great is that by the time they get back to the city, she's probably thinking about how she can manage Sumner, and she complains to Sumner and tries to have arrested, and Sumner's like, you need such a fucking pothole. If it were up to you, I'd be dead. So there. I I think it's interesting, the idea of, of, it could be really interesting, the idea of Sumner and John having a different relationship. On Atlantis. And it would give Sumner some insight into why John would made, have made decisions around Afghanistan that he did. And not just and The thing at. is, I think it's exactly this decision that he would have made if they'd stayed true to his character. Because it wouldn't have been the first time he disobeyed an order to go after somebody who'd been left behind. Yeah. And in this case, especially Elizabeth Weir is utterly unqualified to make the order to begin with. Right, Claire, you're right that it wouldn't be so weird for John to be going off world all the time because, as the leader of the military, he should have been staying on the city. At least more often than he did. He shouldn't have been leaving much more than Elizabeth right. did. I mean, I, I, I'm, I have in this, in this. In Atlantis Codex, I actually I'm working reworking this part of the plot because I'm not even sure if Elizabeth is going to go at this point. But um, it was in the plot originally. My original plot for Atlantis Codex is that she goes, and John takes control of the expedition after the raid right? because he's a he's a marine in that one. Um, but I've always just been really curious about the whole idea of of. John taking command at the beginning, but I had never thought about the angle of Sumner actually winding up staying in command and that the ripple that that would have if John's able to act sooner of that it saves Sumner's life. I think that's a really, I really, I find that idea really appealing. Yeah. I mean, because it would be, it it would open up a lot of of issues and things because Sumner is um, a different animal than Elizabeth Weir and, um, from the moment they stepped through the gate Sumner was looking for an excuse to take command. Yeah. And here's John handing him one. Not only that, but John is is acting against Elizabeth Weir um when Sumner had the impression going into it that basically that John was Elizabeth That John was, there was there, just her there, there to switches. be a light switch. Right. I think that does open up a lot of really interesting possibilities. I'm very intrigued by that. Hmm, Could be a lot of fun. Well, we're down to a minute and 45 seconds. Um, you guys have a really good weekend. And um, percolate and remember that you've got three days left to sign up for Rough Trade and you've got roughly 18 days to sign up for Quantum Bang. Mm-hmm. ish in that, in if, that area. If you're, a hard, if you're having a hard time, if you want to participate in either and you're having a hard time coming up with a plot, reach out on the, I mean, if it's, for the QB, reach out privately. But um, for a rough trade, but you know, hit us up on the workshops. We'll help you plot if you want to do it and you're struggling to come up with something. And we'll do a writer's table tomorrow um, if you want. And if you have questions about uh, rough okay. trade, you can um, we'll answer them then. Okay. So, second night, Julie. Good night, everyone. My music never started playing, so I can't get it to play. Good night, everybody. (laughs) It's still not playing.